0: Welcome to Just Listen, a celebration of literature from Nashville Public Library. For more stories in poetry, visit our website at library.nashville.org. Please feel free to leave a comment or to make requests or recommendations. And now, for today's selection. This and the following two podcasts, Poetry Panoply 1, 2, and 3, Celebrate the work of the Romantic poets from across the pond in England. Our selections focus on poems popularly anthologized in high school and college textbooks and are intended to complement these readings by providing a vocal counterpart. Poetry Panoply I is comprised of the following works. Lines Composed a Few Miles Above Tintern Abbey by William Wordsworth Ode to a Nightingale by John Keats, To Autumn by John Keats, Ode on a Grecian Urn by John Keats, Ode to Psyche by John Keats, and Ode, Intimations of Immortality from Recollections of Early Childhood by William Wordsworth. Poetry Panoply One We begin. Lines Composed a Few Miles Above Tintern Abbey On Revisiting the Banks of the Wye During a Tour July 13, 1798 By William Wordsworth Five years have passed, five summers, with the length of five long winters, and again I hear these waters rolling from their mountain springs with a soft inland murmur. Once again do I behold these steep and lofty cliffs that on a wild secluded scene impress thoughts of more deep seclusion and connect the landscape with the quiet of the sky. The day has come when I again repose here, under this dark sycamore, and view these plots of cottage ground, these orchard tufts, which at this season, with their unripe fruits, are clad in one green hue— and lose themselves mid groves and copses. Once again I see these hedgerows, hardly hedgerows, little lines of sportive wood run wild, these pastoral farms green to the very door, and wreaths of smoke sent up in silence from among the trees, with some uncertain notice, as might seem of vagrant dwellers in the houseless woods, or of some hermit's cave, where by his fire the hermit sits alone. These beauteous forms, through a long absence, have not been to me as is a landscape to a blind man's eye. But oft, in lonely rooms, and mid the din of towns and cities, I have owed to them, in hours of weariness, sensations sweet, felt in the blood, and felt along the heart, and passing even into my purer mind with tranquil restoration, feelings too of unremembered pleasure, Such, perhaps, as have no slight or trivial influence on that best portion of a good man's life, his little, nameless, unremembered acts of kindness and of love. Nor less, I trust, to them I may have owed another gift, of aspect more sublime, that blessed mood in which the burden of the mystery, in which the heavy and the weary weight of all this unintelligible world, is lightened. That serene and blessed mood in which the affections gently lead us on until the breath of this corporeal frame and even the motion of our human blood almost suspended, we are laid asleep in body and become a living soul. While with an eye made quiet by the power of harmony and the deep power of joy, we see into the life of things. If this be but a vain belief, yet, oh, How oft, in darkness and amid the many shapes of joyless delight, when the fretful stir unprofitable and the fever of the world have hung upon the beatings of my heart! How oft, in spirit, have I turned to thee, O sylvan, Y, thou wanderer through the woods! How often has my spirit turned to thee! And now, with gleams of half-extinguished thought, with many recognitions dim and faint, and somewhat of a sad perplexity, the picture of the mind revives again. While here I stand, not only with the sense of present pleasure, but with pleasing thoughts that in this moment there is life and food for future years. And so I dare to hope, though changed, no doubt, from what I was when first I came among these hills, when, like a row, I bounded o'er the mountains, by the sides of the deep rivers and the lonely streams, wherever nature led, "'more like a man flying from something that he dreads "'than one who sought the thing he loved. "'For nature, then, the coarser pleasures of my boyish days "'and their glad animal movements all gone by, "'to me was all in all. "'I cannot paint what then I was. "'The sounding cataract haunted me like a passion, "'the tall rock, the mountain, and the deep and gloomy wood, "'their colors and their forms were then to me an appetite.' a feeling and a love that had no need of a remoter charm, by thought supplied, nor any interest unborrowed from the eye. That time is past, and all its aching joys are now no more, and all its dizzy raptures. Not for this faint eye, nor mourn nor murmur, other gifts have followed, for such loss I would believe abundant recompense. For I have learned to look on nature, not as in the hour of thoughtless youth, but hearing oftentimes the still sad music of humanity, nor harsh nor grating, though of ample power to chasten and subdue. And I have felt a presence that disturbs me with the joy of elevated thoughts, a sense sublime of something far more deeply interfused, whose dwelling is the light of setting suns and the round ocean and the living air and the blue sky and in the mind of man. A motion and a spirit, that impels all thinking things, all objects of all thought, and rolls through all things. Therefore am I still a lover of the meadows and the woods and mountains, and of all that we behold from this green earth, of all the mighty world of eye and ear, both what they half-create and what perceive, well pleased to recognize in nature and the language of the sense the anchor of my purest thoughts, the nurse, the guide, the guardian of my heart, and soul of all my moral being. Not perchance, if I were not thus taught, should I the more suffer my genial spirits to decay, for thou art with me here upon the banks of this fair river, thou my dearest friend, my dear, dear friend, and in thy voice I catch the language of my former heart, and read my former pleasures in the shooting lights of thy wild eyes. Oh, Yet a little while may I behold in thee what I once was, my dear, dear sister. And this prayer I make, knowing that nature never did betray the heart that loved her. Tis her privilege, through all the years of this our life, to lead from joy to joy, for she can so inform the mind that is within us, so impress with quietness and beauty, and so feed with lofty thoughts, that neither evil tongues, rash judgments, nor the sneers of selfish men nor greetings where no kindness is, nor all the dreary intercourse of daily life, shall e'er prevail against us, or disturb our cheerful faith, that all which we behold is full of blessings. Therefore let the moon shine on thee in thy solitary walk, and let the misty mountain winds be free to blow against thee, and in after years, when these wild ecstasies shall be matured into a sober pleasure when thy mind shall be a mansion for all lovely forms, thy memory be as a dwelling-place for all sweet sounds and harmonies. Oh, then, if solitude or fear or pain or grief should be thy portion, with what healing thoughts of tender joy wilt thou remember me, and these my exhortations? Nor, perchance, if I should be where I can no more hear thy voice, nor catch from thy wild eyes these gleams of past existence, wilt thou then forget that on the banks of this delightful stream we stood together, and that I, so long a worshipper of nature, hither came unwearied in that service? Rather say with warmer love, oh, with far deeper zeal of holier love! Nor wilt thou then forget that after many wanderings, many years of absence, these steep woods and lofty cliffs and this green pastoral landscape were to me more dear, both for themselves and for thy sake. Ode to a Nightingale by John Keats My heart aches and a drowsy numbness pains my sense, As though of hemlock I had drunk, Or emptied some dull opiate to the drains One minute past, and lethe words had sunk. 'Tis not through envy of thy happy lot, But being too happy in thine happiness, That thou, light-winged dryad of the trees In some melodious plot of beech and green, And shadows numberless, singest of summer In full-throated ease. Or for a draught of vintage, That hath been cooled a long age in the deep-delved earth, Tasting of flora and the country green, Dance and Provencal song and sunburnt mirth. Oh, for a beaker full of the warm south, Full of the true, the blushful hippocrene, With beaded bubbles winking at the brim And purple-stained mouth, That I might drink and leave the world unseen, And with thee fade away into the forest dim. Fade far away, dissolve, and quite forget what thou amongst the leaves hast never known, the weariness, the fever, and the fret here, where men sit and hear each other groan, where palsy shakes a few sad last grey hairs, where youth grows pale and spectre thin and dies. Where but to think is to be full of sorrow and leaden-eyed despairs, "'where beauty cannot keep her lustrous eyes, "'or new love pine at them beyond tomorrow. "'Away, away, for I will fly to thee, "'not charioted by Bacchus and his pards, "'but on the viewless wings of poesy, "'though the dull brain perplexes and retards. "'Already with thee tender is the night, "'and haply the queen moon is on her throne, "'clustered round by all her starry fays. "'But here there is no light.' save what from heaven is with the breezes blown through verdurous glooms and winding mossy ways. I cannot see what flowers are at my feet, nor what soft incense hangs upon the boughs, but in embalmed darkness guess each sweet wherewith the seasonable month endows the grass, the thicket, and the fruit-tree wild. White hawthorn, and the pastoral eglantine, fast-fading violets covered up in leaves, and mid-May's eldest child, the coming musk-rose, full of dewy wine, the murmurous haunt of flies on summer eves. Darkling, I listen, and for many a time I have been half in love with easeful death, called him soft names in many amused rhyme, to take into the air my quiet breath. Now more than ever seems it rich to die, to cease upon the midnight with no pain, while thou art pouring forth thy soul abroad in such an ecstasy. Still wouldst thou sing, and I have ears in vain to thy high requiem become a sod. Thou wast not born for death, immortal bird. No hungry generations tread thee down. The voice I hear this passing night was heard in ancient days by Emperor and Clown. Perhaps the selfsame song that found a path through the sad heart of Ruth, when, sick for home, she stood in tears amid the alien corn, the same that oft-times hath charmed magic casements, opening on the foam of perilous seas in fairy lands forlorn. Forlorn! The very word is like a bell to toll me back from thee to my soul-self. Adieu. The fancy cannot cheat so well as she is famed to do, deceiving elf. Adieu, adieu. Thy plaintive anthem fades past the near meadows, over the mill stream, up the hillside, and now tis buried deep in the next valley glades. Was it a vision? Or a waking dream? Fled is that music. Do I wake or sleep? To Autumn by John Keats Season of mists and mellow fruitfulness, Close bosom friend of the maturing sun, Conspiring with him how to load and bless with fruit The vines that round the thatch eaves run, To bend with apples the mossed cottage trees, and fill all fruit with ripeness to the core. To swell the gourd, and plump the hazel-shells with a sweet kernel. To set budding more, and still more, later flowers for the bees, Until they think warm days will never cease, for summer has o'erbrimmed their clammy cells. Who hath not seen thee oft amid thy store? Sometimes whoever seeks abroad may find thee sitting careless on a granary floor, thy hair soft-lifted by the winnowing wind, or on a half-reaped furrow sound asleep, drowsed with the fume of poppies, while thy hook spares the next swath and all its twined flowers. And sometimes like a gleaner thou dost keep steady thy laden head across a brook, or by a cider-press, with patient look, Thou watchest the last oozings, hours by hours. Where are the songs of spring? Ay, where are they? Think not of them. Thou hast thy music too. While barred clouds bloom the soft dying day, And touch the stubble plains with rosy hue, Then in a wailful choir the small gnats mourn Among the river sallows, borne aloft or sinking as the light wind lives or dies. And full-grown lambs loud bleat from hilly bourne, Hedge-crickets sing, And now with treble soft The red breast whistles from a garden croft, And gathering swallows twitter in the skies. Ode on a Grecian Urn By John Keats Thou still unravished bride of quietness, Thou foster child of silence and slow time, Sylvan historian who canst thus express A flowery tale more sweetly than our rhyme. What leaf-fringed legend haunts About thy shape of deities or mortals, Or of both, in Tempe or the dales of Arcady? What men or gods are these? What maidens loth? What mad pursuit? What struggle to escape? What pipes and timbrels, what wild ecstasy! Heard melodies are sweet, but those unheard are sweeter. Therefore, ye soft pipes, play on, Not to the sensual ear, but, more endeared, Pipe to the spirit ditties of no tone. Fair youth beneath the trees, Thou canst not leave thy song, Nor ever can those trees be bare. Bold lover, never, never canst thou kiss, though winning near the goal yet, do not grieve. She cannot fade, though thou hast not thy bliss, forever wilt thou love, and she be fair. Ah, happy, happy boughs, that cannot shed your leaves, nor ever bid the spring adieu, and happy melodist, unwearied, forever piping songs forever new, more happy love, more happy, happy love, forever warm and still to be enjoyed, forever panting and forever young, all-breathing human passion far above that leaves a heart high sorrowful and cloyed, a burning forehead and a parching tongue. Who are these coming to the sacrifice? To what green altar, O mysterious priest, leadest thou that heifer lowing at the skies and all her silken flanks with garlands dressed? What little town by river or seashore Or mountain built with peaceful citadel Is emptied of this folk, this pious morn? And, little town, thy streets forevermore Will silent be, and not a soul to tell Why thou art desolate, can e'er return. O attic shape, fair attitude, With breed of marble men and maidens overwrought, With forest branches and the trodden weed, Thou, silent form, dost tease us out of thought, as doth eternity. Cold pastoral, when old age shall this generation waste, Thou shalt remain in midst of other woe than ours, A friend to man, to whom thou sayest, Beauty is truth, truth beauty, That is all ye know on earth, and all ye need to know. Ode to Psyche by John Keats O Goddess, hear these tuneless numbers rung by sweet enforcement and remembrance dear, and pardon that thy secrets should be sung even unto thine own soft-conched ear. Surely I dreamt to-day, or did I see the winged Psyche with awakened eyes. I wandered in a forest thoughtlessly, and on the sudden, fainting with surprise, saw two fair creatures, couched side by side in deepest grass, beneath the whispering roof of leaves and trembled blossoms, where there ran a brooklet, scarce espied. Mid-hushed, cool-rooted flowers, fragrant-eyed, blue, silver-white, and budded tyrian, they lay calm breathing on the bedded grass. Their arms embraced, and their pinions too, their lips touched not, but had not batted you. As if disjoined by soft handed slumber, and ready still past kisses to outnumber at tender eyed dawn of Aurorian love, The winged boy I knew, but who wast thou, O happy, happy dove? His psyche, true. O latest born and loveliest vision far of all Olympus faded hierarchy, fairer than Phoebe's sapphire region star, Or Vesper, amorous glowworm of the sky. Fairer than these, though temple thou hast none, Nor altar heaped with flowers, Nor virgin choir to make delicious moan Upon the midnight hours. No voice, no lute, no pipe, no incense sweet From chain-swung censer teeming, No shrine, no grove, no oracle, No heat of pale-mouthed prophet dreaming. O brightest! Though too late for antique vows, Too, too late for the fond-believing lyre, when holy were the haunted forest boughs, holy the air, the water, and the fire. Yet even in these days so far retired from happy pieties, thy lucent fans, fluttering among the faint Olympians, I see and sing, by my own eyes inspired. So let me be thy choir, and make a moan upon the midnight hours, thy voice, thy lute, thy pipe, thy incense sweet from swinged censer teeming thy shrine, thy grove, thy oracle, thy heat of pale-mouthed prophet dreaming. I will be thy priest and build a fane in some untrodden region of my mind, where branched thoughts new-grown with pleasant pain instead of pines shall murmur in the wind. Far, far around shall those dark clustered trees fledge the wild-ridged mountains steep by steep, and thereby zephyrs, streams, and birds, and bees The moss-lane dryads shall be lulled to sleep, And in the midst of this wide quietness A rosy sanctuary will I dress With the wreathed trellis of a working brain, With buds and bells and stars without a name, With all the gardener fancy air could feign, Who breeding flowers will never breed the same. And there shall be for thee all soft delight That shadowy thought can win, A bright torch and a casement ope at night, To let the warm love in. Ode, Intimations of Immortality from Recollections of Early Childhood By William Wordsworth The child is father of the man, and I could wish my days to be bound each to each by natural piety. There was a time when meadow, grove, and stream, the earth and every common sight, to me did seem apparelled in celestial light the glory and the freshness of a dream. It is not now as it hath been of yore, turn wheresoeer I may by night or day. The things which I have seen I now can see no more. The rainbow comes and goes, and lovely is the rose. The moon doth with delight look round her when the heavens are bare. Waters on a starry night are beautiful and fair. The sunshine is a glorious birth, but yet I know where I go, that there hath passed away a glory from the earth. Now, while the birds thus sing a joyous song, and while the young lambs bound as to the tabor's sound, to me alone there came a thought of grief. A timely utterance gave that thought relief, and I again am strong. The cataracts blow their trumpets from the steep. No more shall grief of mine the season wrong. I hear the echoes through the mountains throng. The winds come to me from the fields of sleep, and all the earth is gay. Land and sea give themselves up to jollity. And with the heart of May doth every beast keep holiday. Thou child of joy, shout round me. Let me hear thy shouts, thou happy shepherd boy. Ye blessed creatures, I have heard the call ye to each other make. I see the heavens laugh with you in your jubilee. My heart is at your festival. My head hath its coronal. The fullness of your bliss I feel, I feel it all. O evil day! If I were sullen while earth herself is adorning this sweet May morning, and the children are culling on every side, in a thousand valleys far and wide, fresh flowers, while the sun shines warm and the babe leaps up on his mother's arm, I hear, I hear, with joy I hear. But there is a tree, of many, one, a single field which I have looked upon. Both of them speak of something that is gone. The pansy at my feet doth the same tale repeat. Whither is fled the visionary gleam? Where is it now, the glory and the dream? Our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting. The soul that rises with us, our life's star, hath had elsewhere its setting, and cometh from afar. Not an entire forgetfulness, and not an utter nakedness, But trailing clouds of glory do we come from God, who is our home. Heaven lies about us in our infancy. Shades of the prison house begin to close upon the growing boy, but he beholds the light, and whence it flows, he sees it in his joy. The youth, who daily farther from the east must travel, still is nature's priest, and by the vision splendid is on his way attended. At length the man perceives it die away and fade into the light of common day. Earth fills her lap with pleasures of her own, yearnings she hath in her own natural kind, and even with something of a mother's mind and no unworthy aim, the homely nurse doth all she can to make her foster child, her inmate man, forget the glories he hath known, and that imperial palace whence he came. Behold the child among his newborn blisses, a six years darling of a pygmy size. See where mid-work of his own hand he lies, fretted by sallies of his mother's kisses, with light upon him from his father's eyes. See at his feet some little plan or chart, some fragment from his dream of human life, shaped by himself with newly learned art, a wedding or a festival, a mourning or a funeral. And this hath now his heart, and unto this he frames his song, Then will he fit his tongue to dialogues of business, love, or strife, but it will not be long ere this be thrown aside, and with new joy and pride the little actor cons another part, filling from time to time his humorous stage with all the persons, down to palsied age, that life brings with her in her equipage, as if his whole vocation were endless imitation. Thou whose exterior semblance doth belie thy soul's immensity, Thou best philosopher who yet doth keep thy heritage, Thou eye among the blind, That deaf and silent readest the eternal deep, Haunted forever by the eternal mind, Mighty prophet, seer blessed, On whom those truths do rest, Which we are toiling all our lives to find, In darkness lost, the darkness of the grave. Thou, over whom thy immortality broods like the day, a master or a slave, a presence which is not yet to be put by, thou little child, yet glorious in the might of heaven-born freedom on thy being's height, why with such earnest pains dost thou provoke the years to bring the inevitable yoke, thus blindly with thy blessedness at strife? Full soon thy soul shall have her earthly freight, and custom lie upon thee with a weight heavy as frost, and deep almost as life. O joy, that in our embers is something that doth live, that nature yet remembers what was so fugitive! The thought of our past years in me doth breed perpetual benediction, not indeed for that which is most worthy to be blessed, delight and liberty, the simple creed of childhood, whether busy or at rest, with new-fledged hope still fluttering in his breast? Not for these I raise the song of thanks and praise, but for those obstinate questionings of sense and outward things, fallings from us, vanishings, blank misgivings of a creature moving about in worlds not realized, high instincts before which our mortal nature did tremble like a guilty thing surprised. But for those first affections, those shadowy recollections, which, be they what they may, are yet the fountain-light of all our day, are yet a master-light of all our seeing. Uphold, cherish, and have power to make our noisy years see moments in the being of the eternal silence, truths that wake to perish never, which neither listlessness, nor mad endeavour, nor man, nor boy, nor all that is at enmity with joy can utterly abolish or destroy. Hence, in a season of calm weather, though inland far we be, our souls have sight of that immortal sea which brought us hither, can in a moment travel thither, and see the children sport upon the shore, and hear the mighty waters rolling evermore. Then sing, ye birds, sing, sing a joyous song, and let the young lambs bound as to the tabors sound. We in thought will join your throng, ye that pipe and ye that play, ye that through your gardens today feel the gladness of the May. What though the radiance which was once so bright be now for taken from my sight, though nothing can bring back the hour of splendor in the grass, of glory in the flower, we will grieve not, rather find strength in what remains behind, in the primal sympathy which having been must ever be, in the soothing thoughts that spring out of human suffering." in the faith that looks through death, in years that bring the philosophic mind. And, O ye fountains, meadows, hills, and groves, forebode not any severing of our loves. Yet in my heart of hearts I feel your might. I only have relinquished one delight to live beneath your more habitual sway. I love the brooks which down their channels fret, even more than when I tripped lightly as they... The innocent brightness of a newborn day is lovely yet. The clouds that gather round the setting sun do take a sober colouring from an eye that hath kept watch over man's mortality. Another race has been, and other palms are won. Thanks to the human heart by which we live, thanks to its tenderness, its joys and fears, to me the meanest flower that blows can give thoughts that do often lie too deep for tears. Thanks for joining us. Tune in to another session of Just Listen by visiting your Nashville Public Library website at library.nashville.org.